creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. Still think about you, scratching in your own It's Friday, June 28, 2019, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios on the ones and twos, our illustrious engineer, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skyfly from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. I just got a text from Jesse saying, are you good to pod? Because I was late, and it just came in, Jesse. Your text just came in. So. Well, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> Pod's such a cool way of saying it, yeah. too. Yeah, it is. very. It's very cool, and that was the point. Because it's, yeah. it's short for podcast. I mean, I saved myself an entire syllable texting. Like, yeah. you guys have no idea how much time I'm building up later in life by not adding words like cast to things, you know? On so. the uh, escape line from Gatorland, Florida, Eddie Big Cat Coffolds. Yes, it's a privilege. And Hello, sitting Jess. in for the whole show today, our old friend... Friend from Los Angeles, California, Science Mike, Mike McCarthy. Hey, friends. Welcome, man. <laughs> it's good to be oh. here. Oh, so glad to have you back. There, I, You can't know how many times you're brought up when we go down some sort of awful wor- wormhole of lunacy and we go, man, we really needed Mike to pull us out of that spiral. <laughs> and, and then and then sometimes we're like, you know, it's probably good that, he, you know, he's a very well-respected author, speaker. <laughs> it's probably good we didn't, like, demand that he be a part of this lunacy. So we appreciate you jumping back in with There's us, nothing I love more than meaningless frivolity, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you're oh, in the right yes. place. <laughs> that uh, oh, you, you were there at the apex of it at the 10-year show we did. I, yeah. I, I just Ooh, remembered yeah. that. That was the definition. What a dream. Of, of, yeah, frivolity. Hey, Mike, this is how frivolous our podcast has got. You know, you're out here, you know, talking about the, you know, game changing uh, revelations and like neurology and science. We had an extended conversation about waterbed patch kits last week. So that's where. <laughs> whatever that's where happened. We it started with whatever happened to waterbeds. And then, then all of our memories of them springing little leaks came up. So, and, uh, so the, the latest addition to our store is official relevant podcast waterbed patch kits they might just be vinyl stickers I but just, i gotta order one immediately i don't even yeah. have a waterbed but i just trust <laughs> your your discernment so much hey hey mike good news if you go to walmart.com you can procure one for under 200 dollars. so uh we <laughs> yeah. did the research live like i said a lot of stuff's happening on this podcast you know this is it's it's us and michael Wilbaro from the daily that's really pushing culture forward and pushing this medium forward he's got current events handled we've got watermelon uh, watermelon, watermelon just, i wouldn't rule out an extended conversation about watermelon this week though oh, so. no. well it is july for the week of july 4th there's gonna be a lot of yeah. grills and 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 watermelon uh consumption so it's my I'm favorite sure holiday of the year i i mean and and just so we're clear there is such a thing as a watermelon patch kit so just like a full circle <laughs> and ironically it looks like a relevant podcast sticker it's yeah. right on that melon Keeps yeah. all the juices in, and you can oh yeah, we're go. definitely going to sell it. If we can sell it, we're going to sell it. We're we gonna going to monetize that thing. We make yeah. a profit off of almost every joke if we can. <laughs> we try. We try. We got to you know make money podcasting somehow. Hey, mm-hmm. we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, uh, we're joined by 
they're so hot right now. The uh, band For King and Country is joining us. They have a brand new single produced by Timbaland, and uh, they just kicked off their new global tour. So they're coming on yeah. later to talk about that. It's exciting. I, 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 you know, this has been, you know, that that band is comprised of Joel and Luke Smallbone, who are originally from Australia. Oh, hold on, had- the band is led by those two brothers, but they have 47 people in the band. And like, literally, they here's what they told me. They said for this tour, um, you know, because they're on the festival tour, and then they're doing the official their 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 album's called Burn the Ships. They're getting they're preparing the Burn the Ships tour as well. And they said that the seating will look like you're in the hull of an old ship. Like, and they weren't they weren't joking around. Like, it's a high concept tour. They 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 compared it to like a Hamilton like experience. Like, it's gonna. Oh, I think all 47 people are gonna be involved, but. Here, here's what I wanted to get to the bottom of when I spoke to them. This was the, you know, they are hot right now. They're getting ready for this global tour. They just collaborated with Timberland, but I had to get to the bottom of a discussion that we've been, that's been ongoing on this podcast of whether or not their Australian accents are embellished because they have been, Mike, I'm really glad you're here for this because you can actually offer some, some actual expert insight because there's been a debate among us on this podcast of if you were to move from Australia to Nashville at like age like five, that's what that's about the time we determined they moved over. Right, guys? I was the mid 90s. So, yeah, around age five, they moved so, to. Yeah, because their sister is Rebecca St. James. Rebecca yeah. Smallbone, yeah. So, so, Mike, here's the question. If you're in, if you were born in Australia and lived there from age five, but then have lived in Nashville for like the last, you know, 25 years, would your, would you have to embellish the Australian accent in order for it to main, remain strong? Uh, well, it's going to vary from child to child. Yeah. Um, and it's also going, uh, your parents' accents actually matter a lot in your accent formation as well. Okay. So I would imagine it would be less embellished than you would think if their parents moved over as well, because older people have much, much, much less um, accent shift as they move from location to location when compared to mm-hmm. children. Yeah. But can offer like a stabilizing force, especially if English is their primary language. If English is their secondary language and another language is spoken in the home, yeah. then parents' accents uh, affect children's dialect and accent much less. Uh, Cameron, if we can make yeah. a quick note to get Mr. and Miss Smallbone uh, on, yeah. the, on the blower, too. For <laughs> a quick to the because I don't care what we tell them. Hey, tell them we're doing a story about the parents of famous children. I just want to get them on the, the horn and get this accent thing resolved. The suspicion, and then I can sleep at night. The, the well, suspicion kicked up because they came into the relevant studio six months ago with all 47 band members, they recorded some, some songs live. And when they were here and they were talking to us and they were doing an interview, it was as though they never left Sydney. You know, I mean, it was like a very <laughs> hefty Australian accent. Yeah. But when they were just kind of chit-chatting amongst themselves out of earshot or thought they were out of earshot, seemed to be way more of a Nashville mm. Americanized yeah. uh. pattern of speech. And we were wondering if the brandedness of we're Australian, yeah. you know, like is their public persona, but maybe privately they have far less, uh, you know, Australian sounds. In be- because mind. as we established, Australian accents are the most coveted in Christian music. Like That's they right. are at oh, the pinnacle. <laughs> they are far yeah. and away. You like it's, it's incredibility. Yeah. 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 Although <laughs> the opposite, when when I was growing up, I grew up with this guy named Ian, 
he always had an English accent, said he was from England. Would go over to his house one day. His parents, perfect, just normal American accent. He had moved, his parents had moved from England when they were children. He never lived there. So for his entire life, he just did an English accent. And I thought the, the lunacy and commitment of this guy is to be commended. No, That's but here, insane. But here's the thing, though. An English accent automatic, automatically makes you appear 30% smarter. Like, you, right. could say, totally. you could say something, just like a standard thing as an American, like, yeah, I'm thinking cheeseburgers for lunch. Or you could say, yeah. I'd like a cheeseburger for lunch. And all of a sudden, you're this <laughs> wizard scientist from Hogwarts. That yeah. is just, you know, it's I, I understand why he would do that, Eddie, you know. Oh, yeah, it ruled. Yeah, it's the inverse know. of my native uh, southeast accent where everyone thinks you're 30 percent dumber. If <laughs> oh, you're yeah. Like, yeah, I'd like a cheeseburger. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, no. You, you, you have like good Tallahassee. Like yeah, you're you have both... the Florida panhandle. That's a yeah, special yeah. kind of southeast. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Very there's special. a different. There's different Florida because I'm like Florida, Central Florida. I mean, here, me and Cameron, we're both Central Florida. Yeah, there is no accent. There's no yeah. accent. You you get a little up there into the panhandle. Ooh, it's you, real life up there. You know, the great thing about Tallahassee is just the way it's spelled. It's impossible to say without a southern accent. Tallahassee. Try it like it's written. It's the only word ever written, ever constructed that you can't sound just a little redneck while saying Tallahassee. You know, it's just this is the way the words could. It's brilliant word, you know, (laughs) it's also true. Yeah, Uh, it's a a word that's impossible to say with a British accent. Eddie, try to say Tallahassee with a British accent right now. It it can't be. It It can't be done. It can't be done. It's a convergence of forces. The tongue literally cannot happen. Mike, you know, interesting fact about Tallahassee, 83 percent of the existing waterbeds in the U.S., reside in Tallahassee. <laughs> oh yeah. They're it's going very strong up there. I you know, believe look, that. The waterbed the waterbed museum's there. It's it's a double wide, right? When you pull into town. Uh, <laughs> it's a double, oh, it's a double wide, right? When you pull in town and you know it's not zoned. You know, they don't have zoning laws down <laughs> they don't there. They don't have zoning laws, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And God's, not a lot going on in Tallahassee though, it, truly. My daughter wanted to go to a like for her birthday, she, she wanted to travel somewhere and she wanted to either go to Tallahassee or Japan, and I don't know why she picked those things. <laughs> that's, that's cool. Wow. <laughs> and, and we're like, well, I mean, I guess let's go to Tallahassee. And really, we just had like pizza at some big pizza place, and that was like, and then there's the school. It's like you're watching, it's like you're, it's, it's chef table, and it's like, ooh, this one's uh, about a restaurant on top of a Norwegian glacier. This one's Tokyo, an underground place in Paris. And look, a double wide Tallahassee. Let's see what they got going on there. Oh, you eat on a waterbed, and you dr- your beverage is a waterbed. I got to see this place. Yeah. Mike, Mike, you moved to LA a year and a half ago, give or take. Is that right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm a, two years uh, this month. There you go. And, and how do you, how do you feel? Are you still wide eyed living in LA or is it now home to you and you can't remember how you ever did the Tallahassee life? Like, do you feel settled in LA now? Oh, I feel very settled in LA. Yeah. Um, could you I mean, ever go? Could it is you ever currently go back sixty-three home? degrees sunny and low humidity, as it is basically every day. 
Yeah. Yeah. And you guys can't see Mike, but he's not wearing a shirt. He is <laughs> oiling himself every few moments. He has a Panama Jack really hat something. on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I, I'm going to pull up my weather app here. It says Tallahassee right now is sweaty locker room is the temperature. Oh, yeah. Just Always. sweaty middle school locker room on Tallahassee. So I think yeah, LA, it was a real easy shift to go to uh, one of America's two mega cities with incredible food and culture and weather. Um with snow as a destination during the winter, I can be on on ski slopes in about 45 minutes from my house and I can be with my feet in the Pacific Ocean in about 35 minutes. So uh, L.A. is not so bad. Pretty, pretty bad choice then. Well, so well in, in Tallahassee, I can I can be I can throw a stone from anywhere in town and land in an above ground pool at any point. Yeah. So I don't you know if has got that. You can be in a vape shop at anywhere in Tallahassee. You can be in a vape shop in 32 seconds. It's a, actually a city law. Also true. For some uh, reason, Tallahassee recently made vape pens the official bird of the... I don't get it. I don't even get it. It makes sense, but I'm just leaning into it at this point. I actually thought oh. mosquitoes were the official bird of Tallahassee. Yeah, they changed it. They no, change yeah. of PR reasons. They're getting a lot of vape, a lot of vapors in town. When Tallahassee gets internet access, they are going to blow up our feedback. <laughs> <laughs> they they just released an official vape juice flavor. It's let me, it's horrible, let me tell but, you, but, yeah. At growing up in Tallahassee, you're so excited for a media mention. It oh, doesn't yeah. matter that they're literally <laughs> always derogatory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like yeah, Lost yeah, yeah. had a whole subplot about how terrible Tallahassee is. Yeah. The office had a whole subplot about how terrible it is, but we're yeah. just like somebody said our city it and it wasn't about an election. <laughs> it is. It's like being trapped in a shed and just praying for Google Maps every 10 years to fly over and hope something happens. I, lo- I love when the, when the office made Tallahassee uh, the, the headquarters yes. of uh, Sabre yeah. and, and they went down there uh-huh. and, and they had the, that arc where they... I'm going, you know, obviously clearly they never been to Tallahassee. I was like, there's no office that large in Tallahassee first of all. <laughs> and the yeah. whole like Stanley Hawaiian shirt you know yeah. convertible it's like this isn't Miami the Tallahassee <laughs> is very different Stanley and yeah. uh, I just felt like they, they they were just doing a big wide Florida yeah. stereotype yes. versus yeah, the Tallahassee right. yeah. stereotype and the, the yeah. actors yeah. were not sweating enough for no, it to be a plausible Tallahassee yeah. they were enjoying yeah. it way too much yeah. It, it, did, did you watch Bloodline, Mike, on Netflix? The It's like with Kyle Chandler. And that's in the keys. Yeah. And every sw- every scene, like, I don't know if it's part of the script or not. Everyone's just sweating through their shirt, you know? And I 100%. feel like that's, just, well, they that's actually, just Florida, you know? They actually shot that on like on location. That's why it wasn't part of the plot. It was yeah. just, yeah, it was just like literally actually quite hot. It was yeah. miserably hot there. And that's just the reality. So, yeah, yeah. They, they, the, the cast got their own above ground pool. Uh, uh, so, it, you know, I mean, that's just a floor. It's an incentive for them to start filming more down there. You know, well, they really, it should say, like, instead of the Sunshine State, it should be like the Sweaty State. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it would be more just, accurate. It's right. just immediate sweating. Yeah. Perspiration. Yeah. All right. Moving the show along. Uh, stay tuned. Up next, it's the Hot List. You're 
listening to Lost by Blake Rose. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Slow Dances by Winnetka Bowling League. Mm. Winnetka Bowling League. Was any of that a joke or was that all real <laughs> words? All real words. Cameron, at okay. this point, this many years in, you're just making them up, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. It is time for... It's the hardest, the hardest. It's sizzling. <laughs> Ooh, that is that is the Tallahassee State City song. That's actually illegal in Tallahassee. It's too sensual. Oh, no, it's too sensual. You play <laughs> something that sensual in Tallahassee, you're going to get those weird Florida man stories. You know, Just oh, yeah. keep it off the radio. Oh, we yeah. don't need to tempt the population down here. It's sultry enough. It is sultry yeah. enough as it is. Don't go they play and they'll go pumping that out through the airwaves. Yeah. Lord knows they have enough happen. of a problem with bath salts up there. They don't need oh, us man. adding to the malarkey. <laughs> All right, coming in number five this week on the hot list speaking of the office grown from mike the office is going (laughs) to announce this week that they're leaving netflix for good Uh, in a tweet netflix explained we're sad that nbc has decided to take the office back for its own streaming platform but members can binge watch the show to their heart's content ad free on netflix until 2021 a little shade there saying ad free because the nbc one is going to be ad supported so Netflix is trying to little dig there. Uh, it's a huge loss for Netflix. Uh, by most industry estimations, it's by far and away the platform's most watched show. In fact, three NBC shows, Parks and Rec, The Office, and Friends, remain hugely popular on Netflix. Um, Netflix paid $100 million to stream Friends in, 19, in 2019 alone. Um, wow. I heard a study, this isn't in my notes here, but I heard a study uh, that we recently, uh, I think, published that Uh, It was surveyed. Millennials were surveyed and 65% of millennials in that ballpark said that if the office wasn't on Netflix, they would cancel their Netflix subscription. And uh, I mean, that's kind of true. This is huge. It's all I seriously, because think about it. If you take away Disney's going away, Avengers is going away. um, You know, all NBC shows are going away. What's left? Netflix originals, Rob who's Schneider paying, sitcom. Who's paying? Who's paying eighteen bucks for that? Yeah, historic roasts. I mean, seriously. Yeah. I mean, what's left is garbage. Yeah. I mean, it's like I mean, all the good stuff is going to their own, you know, their own ecosystems. And now the Disney one, which all this, you know, they own ABC, ESPN, uh, Freeform, Fox. Yeah. Now all yeah. the you know movie properties, Pixar, all that's going to Disney for seven bucks a month. Yeah, I'm and just, Netflix is trying to roll out over fifteen. I mean, it's like the beginning of the end for Netflix, folks. I know, and I'm just glad we're in the era of cord cutting because all I need right now is paid subscriptions to Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, HBO <laughs> yeah. Go, Disney, and now NBC. It's so much easier than paying one expensive. Plus. <laughs> Let's right, just right, chop ESPN, it up into ten. Yeah. ESPN, like literally, like yeah. it's it's going to turn into cable again. Like you're paying seventy bucks a month. To watch yeah. what you want to watch, and the next and the next cable provider is going to be Apple, right? We're yeah. going to pay them ten bucks a month to let them sign us into all of that, yeah. right? Like, isn't that where it's got to go? Well, I, except, uh, uh, I've got a real, real simple strategy. Uh, I don't watch TV very much, and when okay. I do, I binge watch a show. So, whatever service the show I'm watching on is on. I sign up for that one, and I cancel all the other ones. Oh, that's kind <laughs> of great. I just go around though. signing up for like. A month of something. Watch yeah. that. Stop it. Next service. Watch it. Stop it. Because they can't release enough stuff where there's already more than you could ever watch. Yeah. Right. So right. Just one at a time. I'm good. That, that's what happened yeah. after Game of Thrones ended. Uh, there was like a massive cancellation of the HBO yeah. streaming service. 
because everybody was just subscribing for the final season of Game of Thrones, and then they cancel. And then they said like they were doing a lot of like new, you know, you know, there was like articles about it, and they were just asking man on the street, and they're like, yeah, I canceled it when whatever you know next big you know buzz series starts in nine months, I'll probably sign back up, you know. So it's like. Yeah. That's really what people are doing. They're just going a la carte and they're canceling yep. and I got, I got hopping around. Life, I got a life hack for you guys. You know, I used to just set up burner email accounts to to make, you know, now <laughs> they've now you need credit card information. If you try long enough just punching random numbers in there and hitting technically you're committing credit card fraud, but I'll tell you this, no one's called me yet and I've got <laughs> no. months months yeah. of watching videos on obscure Russian websites with, with credit cards. So it's just a little, little, little pro tip, you know, yeah. for, for everyone out there. So. It is amazing to Prime me though. Prime is uh, <laughs> yeah. Jesse's go-to. Yeah, it's this great streaming service out of Uruguay. They got everything. <laughs> you, I, I, it is a little amazing to me though that NBC is just now figuring this out. Because for years, streaming has been available. And for years, NBC has had, I mean, outside of just the three that you mentioned, Cameron, like there's also the West Wing and uh, what? Like there's a, just like a ton of these yeah. NBC shows. Like I can't believe it took them this long to bring back their properties. Doesn't yeah. it seem like crazy that they haven't done this yet? I, I, do, I also think it's strange that we don't have more re- easy access to so many archives of shows that are just sitting in these network vaults that were beloved yeah. or nostalgic. Like, would you rewatch, you know, a bunch oh. of 90 shows and stuff that like, other than these four that Netflix paid for, I, I'm wondering yeah. if like when now the networks start launching their own streaming services, if it's going to open up their catalogs mm. and like, totally, you know, yeah. I, I mean, that would be interesting. And, yeah. and like every past Regis and Kathy Lee. <laughs> or sure, or or other. Is that an options. ad to get me to sign up for someone else's service? <laughs> Did, didn't, to, didn't Tony Danza have a talk show at one point? I'd love to know the answer. Yeah. To that. I mean, what I'm happened? All that stuff, yeah. like yeah. Why Magic Hour with <laughs> Magic Johnson. Such a great show. Yeah. But seriously, wouldn't you? I mean, it would be interesting to be able to like go back oh, and I would. dabble with that stuff. But there's nowhere, nowhere has it. Yeah. Or even like old, you know, truly old, like classic television. I know we have like whatever is curated on TV land or whatever. But I mean, like to go back and be able to watch, you know, everything from Andy Griffith to Benson to the Dick Van Dyke. I mean, that'd be cool. These streaming services Benson. have. Well, I like Benson. <laughs> Good one. Mr. Belvedere. Webster. <laughs> You know, yeah, like, just the fun. classics. Just well, speaking on behalf of the the nerd community, you know, we've mm-hmm. been trying to figure out since the '80s what it was going to take to create an infrastructure that would let people watch literally whatever TV show or movie they wanted to, literally whenever they wanted. Yeah, yeah. And no one predicted it was going to be this like balkanized <laughs> collection yeah, of yeah. streaming services. Yeah. But I do think it's interesting that with a hundred year legacy of media creation that the thing everyone seems to want to watch is a yeah. parody of what it's like to go to work. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great point. <laughs> it's a strange like pinnacle yeah. of media experience to be worth yes. hundreds of millions of dollars to be reminded of how uncomfortable you are and you <laughs> yeah. go to work right. once it's you not get travel home. yeah right it's not travel it's not sci-fi it's not or a living spy on show planets. it's people selling paper yeah it is <laughs> yeah. literally the most average people making jokes in the dumbest job <laughs> yeah. on earth yeah exactly exactly 
That's what a, a really great point. Yeah, yeah. All right, coming in number four this week on the hot list, uh, we got our first look at the criminal justice reform series, Free Meek. This week, uh, the Amazon Prime video series tells the true story of rapper Meek Mill and the legal issues he's faced and how they've led to his efforts to reform the criminal justice system. Along with never before seen footage of Meek Mill, the series features activists and reformers like Jay-Z, Van Jones and others. The series releases on August 9th. Here's a clip of the show. As soon as Meek was imprisoned, he became a symbol for criminal justice reform. The system tries to put Meek Mill on trial. And Meek says, no, I'm going to put the system on trial. Y'all keep messing with folks. You're going to start bringing black and white together, rich and poor together. And once those folks start getting together, they may not stop. Yeah, that's awesome. I know. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the series because the more you read about some of the details. So like Meek Mill's story, like just a quick primer. He got into some legal trouble when he was really young, like in his really early 20s. <clears throat> and ended up on basically a bunch of technicalities because of a very vindictive, what's looking like a very vindictive judge. His probation was extended for over a decade for like a really relatively minor offense. Like at one point, he was sent back to jail because he got a ticket for doing a wheelie on a dirt bike and ended up going to wow. jail for like months at a time. And because of like the absurdity of how once you have one charge, that the justice system can, you know, uh, put you on probation and for very arbitrary reasons, you know, you could show up literally a minute late for a probation meeting with your, with your probation officer and they can take your freedom. They can take your children. You can lose custody. And so I don't think it was until Meek Mill's case became public. And I think this series will do a lot for it that the need to reforms to the probation system. Like, I think everyone's aware of like the criminal justice system reforms that need to get made, or at least I think that's becoming more of the awareness, but this particularly focusing on the probation system, I think it's going to open a lot of eyes and hopefully lead to some actual reforms. There you go. Uh, Coming in number three this week on the other end of the spectrum, Justin Bieber this week uh, shared a rich Wilkerson junior sermon with his 114 million Instagram followers. Uh, the pop star shared a clip from the recent VU Church conference in which pastor and author Rich Wilkerson Jr. encouraged viewers to be courageous about their callings. It's not the first time Bieber has used the platform to discuss his faith. Last month, he told followers about how relying on faith has helped him through a difficult season in his life. He said, Jesus has given me freedom and the pursuit of getting to know his character is never ending. God's character never changes. He's the same yesterday, now, and forever. He's always good. I won't be afraid to be vulnerable before him. His power is made strong in our weakness. God isn't afraid of your pain and your brokenness. He actually welcomes it. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Those are words from Jesus. Here's a clip from Rich's sermon that went viral. I'm telling you over and over again, leadership is this feeling. I'm scared, but I'm trusting that I'm prepared. Jesus, he says something here in this text that's really kind of amazing to me because here he is going, Father, not my will, but your will. Let this cup pass from me. I don't really want to do this. I don't really feel like doing this. This is scary. This is a big deal going to the cross. But here he goes. This is what he says. He says, the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. And I think today what we want to try to attempt to answer a little bit is, what does it look like to prepare a ready spirit? 
What does it look like to have a spirit that is prepared and available for when God says it's time to step out and go, that although you are afraid, you will remind yourself of God's word, that it's not by might nor by power, but by the spirit of God. Can I get a witness in this afternoon? Mike, I have a question for you living in LA. Biebs is out there. There's, it's Celebrity Central. What is your best celebrity encounter that you've had since you've moved out there? Oh, yeah. Don't say Michael Gunger. <laughs> no. oh, You're not going to believe it. I've run into him like weekly. <laughs> I really wish I would have thought of that. That would have been perfect. Uh, I ran into um, John Krasansky at the Magic Castle. Really? Oh, <gasps> wait, but you were at the I, Magic Castle? I, I love the Magic Castle. I, I'm a member. Oh, dude. Uh, okay. I've been okay. working on my magic, but. The show just ended. We're going to talk about <laughs> that for the rest of the entire Cameron, show. Cancel the plans. Cancel for King and Country. Yeah. This is a no special guests, episode. No nothing. Yeah. I need to hear One, about this. Yeah. How do you become a member there? Yeah. Do you have to show them your magic abilities? Well, to become a, a magician member, you have to audition in front of a panel. Wow. No. You can uh, also become an associate member uh, okay. just by paying a lot of money. Yeah. Which I don't, I'm not, I don't have that. <laughs> so instead, I'm a student member. I'm enrolled in classes. So I go uh, every week and and learn to do magic from Mike, stop. people that know best. Mike, listen, how do they, I've how already, do they break I've, the secrets? Listen, how Mike, bec- I've already I've already admired your career for a long time. This is a new level, man. This is <laughs> yeah. you're a, you're <laughs> in classes at the Magic Castle. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, you should lead with that. <laughs> yeah, Ask Science Mike kind of changed my life, but this is absolutely nothing. <laughs> author, to author the f- podcaster, magician. Magic Mike? Ma- uh, you, magic, <laughs> magic Mike McCarg. Oh, Dude, sometimes the names write themselves. They so, do. They do. I, the question I have, Mike, though, is like magic is supposed to be a secret. So how do you get the wink that they're going to now show you how to do the trick? You basically, once the classroom door closes... Um, and it does close, right? Like I don't want passerby like getting uh, getting any tricks. No looky loos coming. You ha- they will show you how every trick that's part of the curriculum works. So Whoa. they perform the trick first, and you watch and are amazed. Yeah, and then uh, then they teach you how to do it, and then you perform the trick, and the instructor gives you notes and instruction. And uh, what can you do? To, yeah. What's, what have what's you your best trick? Uh, I've got some really, really fun stuff uh, that are tests of people's intuition. Okay. Um, but I would, it, it, it would, you know, ruin it if I kind of told you the outcome. So, well, but no, there's some really good stuff. I got a lot, a lot of great card stuff. I'm learning to do some pretty good uh, vanishes and uh, object teleportation, a little bit of mentalism. <laughs> Okay, here's okay. Two quick things. One, <laughs> as you're talking, as you're talking, I would set up a GoFundMe scholarship fund for an underprivileged <laughs> student named Jesse Carey who needs to be who needs to be. I need my relocation fees to Los Angeles. I need a sizable home, and I need my tuition paid for the Magic Castle. That's reasonable. The GoFundMe's up. Okay, we had a guy on our. our we did a Christmas spectacular episode, Mike, and we had a guy that we ran into. We discovered this guy at a at a at a, a Orlando restaurant after at the prior oh, year's yeah. Christmas party and he was doing table side magic right he he technically wasn't a magician he was a mentalist and he would bend spoons and he did this one trick and I want to and, and I hope you're not breaking well, the code but I'm going to ask you straight forks up. quarters like he, he, he and, and the whole like 
uh, touch your nose with your eyes shut and somebody else mm-hmm. feels it, that kind of thing. He, he yeah, did, how does that happen? That, that, that's demons, right? Clearly. Like yeah, we've, established, we've, we've established that's, that's the supernatural. Are we correct there? It's magic. Oh, come uh, on, Mike. <laughs> Consider the door closed. This is our training yeah, room Yeah, the, the right door now. has closed. This is a private space. There's only a few hey, people He's going to get kicked out of school, guys. Don't he, don't get him in trouble. He's going to get kicked out. It's, they, it, it, they it's monitor like, everything. Uh, I will tell you how the secret sharing and magic works. Okay. Okay. A magician, if you show earnest interest, especially a couple times in a row, will show you a basic trick. Mm-hmm. At, and then the next time they see you, if you're great at that trick, they'll tell you something else. But they want uh, people who are bought in and invested because it takes dozens and hundreds of hours, thousands of hours, in some cases, tens of thousands of hours per trick to pull it off. And so the, the, they, they will give you the knowledge if you're putting in the work, because once you've invested whoa. the work, you won't casually share the secret. Okay, right? so, th- so that that strategy of earnest earnestness, genuine interest, and in putting in hard work is better than my strategy, which has been show me how it's done, demon man. Show me. <laughs> <laughs> it, what, it, what is interesting, you know, I, I was traveling. I was at a conference with propaganda. Yeah, and I was doing some of my tricks around a, a table. We were all out to dinner, and prop looked at me. He goes, "Tell me the truth." Is there dark spirits involved in this? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and like, that's what you look right It's Possibly. so convincing. People can't believe that it literally is just tricks. Oh, I don't believe it. I believe you're dabbling in dangerous territory, and I support it, Mike. I support no, it. I'm all in, Go to the darkest edge, look into the void until it starts staring back and tell us its secrets. That's what I want. I will say on the history of this show, yeah. there has not been a moment that has stopped Jesse and I more in our tracks. Yeah. Like, usually we just talk over everything, but we just stopped and did a big inhale and just waited. Please. please literally share. a gas. You're what literally we've been hoping for. Yeah. When what did you do? Like, I mean, practically, is it like an improv class where anybody can sign up Tuesdays at five? Or is it like you have to be vetted to even be allowed to join the class? No, anyone can sign up for Magic One, the first class, which they call Conjuring One. Um, <laughs> cool. And awesome. then you, you have to finish a class to go to the next one. So I've done Conjuring One, Two, and Three, and now I'm in Performance Magic. So. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I will say this. There's a small initiation fee and initiation, which involves being branded with a pentagram and sacrificing a life human. But after you're done with that, I mean, right. they, 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 they onboard you. They onboard you with a little welcome video. It's really pleasant, you know? So. Yeah, it is. It's nice. It is. So you can't wash the now, ball off your hands for two weeks, but other than that... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, they literally make you bathe in it. They, they've, they've made that a requirement now, and you know. But, uh, but other than that, you know, you just gotta, you know, mount that goat head at your house. But it's fine. It is fine. It's, it's just illusions. Yeah. Speaking of which, the last time I was in L.A., I thought I saw the Magic Castle, and I was like. I, I couldn't believe it. It's so iconic. I've read about it, you know, and it turns out it was that church of Scientology building. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, yes. And it really does look a lot like that magic castle. <laughs> well, here, here's what I will say. The next time either of you are, any of you are in LA, let me know if you can go to the castle. I'd be happy. <laughs> I'm booking my, my trip. Guest. I'm literally oh, booking a trip this right is, now. This is exactly like when she invites Michael Scott to come to Tallahassee. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'll book a ticket. How's Thanksgiving weekend? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
I'm going to be oh in LA. Gosh, I'm going to be in so LA much. in four weeks, Mike. I will send you details. All right, that's that. Let's do it. Yes, let's do it. All right, coming to number two this week on the hot list, Andy Minio, our old friend, uh, opened up about his struggle with doubt this week. Uh, the The rapper teamed up with the U Version Bible app for a video in which he gets honest about struggling with faith. Uh, Andy says that wrestling with doubt led him to forget everything he thought he knew about God and start from scratch with what Scripture actually says for himself. Here's a clip. A lot of people know me as an artist who is very open about my faith. An interesting thing is that in the last few years, I've experienced a tremendous amount of doubt. Some of us grow up in churches. Um, We go to youth group. Our parents are Christians. And so being a Christian is just part of how you understand life. I think a lot of people have questions and doubts and fears, and they feel like they have to work through them on their own. That's where that idea of like, man, do I trust God when I don't see him? When everything seems confusing, do I trust that he's ultimately good and has better ideas for me than I do? I basically, I felt like, let me just wipe everything out that I know about God and start from zero, but let me start with the Bible. When we look through the scripture, we see David and all kinds of people just shaking their fist at God and being like, yo, what's up? Asking questions and, and angry. God wants relationship with us and that he can handle our our fears or our outbursts or our emotions with him. That like anger and shaking your fist at God and not understanding is actually covered extensively in Con- Conjuring 3. It's uh, part of the curriculum. <laughs> it's mostly things to shout at God. It's a very jarring book. And I, yeah. Yeah. And you have to really just release all belief in God to be able yeah, to finish Yeah, I mean, you're that. saying some pretty blasphemous, terrible things. And when you're, yeah, when you're, 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 not level, when you're a level spoon. three, yeah. when you're a level yeah. three, I mean, you're conjuring some really dark stuff. And it, you yeah, know, you it can't takes bend some metal blasphemy. With that no, but I was going to say, Mike, I think that one thing that I, you know, that I loved about uh your first book finding god in the waves is you know uh, you know kind of your own journey sin- similar to what andy was saying is mm-hmm. let's throw everything out and start fresh and see if god can handle all of these questions like i, I think there's a lot of value to that approach even though it feels risky and it, you can lose friends and relationships but you know i feel like coming out on the other side it does give you like a, a sense of ownership over faith. And, you know, I, like I said, I think that's one of the big things that I liked about your story is that kind of just emotional and intellectual honesty with, with mm. God, you know? Yeah. There is something like really liberating, uh, at least for me about like an existential faith crisis. And that ever since then, faith has never felt like something I have mastery over again mm. or that, uh, I have all the right ideas about. Um, and, and it's ironic because I probably feel I cherish like moments in spiritual community more than I ever have. Uh, I cherish experiences with God more than I ever have. Um, but there's a really like kind of relaxed, um, less anxious approach to your faith uh, when you figure out like, God is who God is and my understanding or lack of understanding doesn't change who God Mm. is. So instead of trying to like solve the puzzle and nail the equation, solve for X or whatever, uh, I think I'd rather just experience the beauty that, that God can bring to a life well lived. And um, it's actually made me, love the church 
more than I ever did, even though like, mm. you know, to some wings of the church, I'm probably an outsider, but I, I appreciate more than ever the fact that like billions of people in the world have all been drawn to and changed by the same paradoxical mystery story uh, mm. around Christ. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. I just, I, I think I rest easier in the notion that God loves me more than I ever have, even when I'm not always sure what that means. Mm. I mm. do think it's interesting that you're talking about in the same season where you are realizing that you can't solve the equation and you can't, you don't have a mastery of over faith anymore. You sign up for magic classes. You can master <laughs> something and solve the equation. Something you in need, the supernatural. I you need, need to something in the here. supernatural realm that you can master. So I'm going to the magic castle because church I can't handle. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna run into Andy Minio there, I think too. You know, yeah, he's in there, just you know, in the full robe, the cult thing. Oh, it's you know, just oh gosh, just conjuring too. No, Andy Minio got got them buildings confused. And he ended up at the Scientology building down the street. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's a common is. mistake. That's yeah, how it works. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Special kind of magic yeah, in that building. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually most of Scientology's membership in LA is people who thought it was the magic castle and then were yeah. too polite to leave. This definitely seems like conjuring one. I'm being hooked up to a machine and having to tell secrets. Yeah, so Tom Cruise is like meeting with like the head of He's like, so when are we going to get to the thing like the David Blaine thing where you write your name on the card and I like burn it and I rub the ash on him? Is that coming? Because I, I'm I in you deep here, man. I've given you quite a bit of money at this point, and you guys know everything. Listen, um, all I want to do is is untie my shoes and kick them around in a blurry fashion, and they end up perfectly tied like David Blaine does. When are we doing that? Yeah. <laughs> when is yeah. David Blaine coming? This is part of the deal. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love the idea that, that all these people thought they were going to the Magic Castle, and they ended up Scientologists. Yeah, it, it's the final, the final show of, like, Leah Remini's, like, A&E docuseries. He's like behind the dark curtain inside the cult of Scientology. And you just find out that she's just been wanting to know some basic coin tricks. Yeah, it's know? a bunch of people with top yeah. hats Every, looking right, confused. They have to leave their yeah. family and all that stuff. But if that's what it takes to bend a spoon. Yeah. I, I mean, really I want guess... to know how to make an ace right out of a deck of cards. So. Yeah. 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 On the final Worth episode, it. Leah Remini just goes to someone. She goes, I want you to pull that quarter out of your pocket and read the date on it. It says 1993. Doesn't it? Boom! It was all worth it. <laughs> It was all <laughs> worth it. Every <laughs> single moment. And they're like, all it's right. actually 97. Ah, okay. Well, back to the drawing no, board. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Number one this week on the hot list, uh, Tyler Perry this week delivered a moving speech about the importance of helping others at the BET Awards. Uh, the filmmaker was given the Ultimate Icon Award. Sounds like they made that up. <laughs> and use the acceptance speech to encourage. Yeah, it's like they were like, hey, Tyler, we're going to give you the Lifetime Icon Award. No, I'm not coming. Uh, what I, the ultimate icon. Yeah, well, okay, in that I'll case, be there. In that yeah, case. I'll be there. And we'll show you how to tie your and, shoes without using your hands. It's yeah. a crazy good trick. Yeah. And what if we give <laughs> it to Medea? <laughs> Would Medea accept it? He, uh, he used the acceptance speech to encourage people to look out for others in their lives and communities. Even though his childhood neighborhood was plagued with crime, he learned the value of helping others in his own community as a child. He told the story of assisting an elderly man cross a busy street and how that idea for helping others cross has continued to motivate him throughout his career. Here's a clip. When I built my studio, I built it in a neighborhood that is one of the poorest black neighborhoods in Atlanta so that young black kids can see that a black man did that and they can do it too. I was trying to help somebody cross. 
The studio was once a Confederate army base, and I want you to hear this, which meant that there was Confederate soldiers on that base plotting and planning on how to keep 3.9 million Negroes enslaved. Now that land is owned by one Negro. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It's all about trying to help somebody cross. While everybody was fighting for a seat at the table, talking about Oscar so white, Oscar so white, I said, y'all go ahead and do that. But while you're fighting for a seat at the table, I'll be down in Atlanta building my own. Because... Because what I know for sure is that if I could just build this table, God would prepare it for me in the presence of my enemies. Rather than being an icon, I want to be an inspiration. So... Thank you, BET, my new family. Thank you, everybody. I want you to hear this. Every dreamer in this room, there are people whose lives are tied into your dream. Own your stuff. Own your business. Own your way. God bless you. Thank you, BET. Thank you, Scott. I love you guys. I, I know. Wow. Uh, yeah, I know. Obviously, like that ruled. There, there's like varying opinions about, you know, Tyler Perry's movies and things like that. But man, the re- even just the redemption story of where he chose to build his studio mm-hmm. of like, I'm going to redeem this and, and make this a place where other people can find opportunities to launch their career. You know, I was looking at some of the people, you know, Idris Elba, like there's a long list of people that Tyler Perry really helped kind of springboard their careers. And it was cool to see him take that opportunity to tell that backstory, but also challenge others and, you know, weave his faith in, in a really natural and compelling way, you know, mm. That's good. All right, that'll do it for. It's the hottest, the hottest. It's sizzling. disgusting. All right, Ooh. stay tuned. Up Very next, yeah. for King and Country, join us. stay around, but make a comeback too. I know my only mother wants a son back too. They're saying I'm the voice of the young black youth, and then I say, yeah, cool, and then I bum my zoo, and now I'm. Today's episode is brought to you by Not Forsaken. Finding Freedom as Sons and Daughters of a Perfect Father by bestselling author and pastor Louis Giglio. In Not Forsaken, Louis points us to a God who is not absent or ambivalent, but is available and affectionate, ready to shower us with his approval and love. When we take hold of this truth, we are not defined by our pasts, but by the love of a perfect father. Christine Kane said, Not Forsaken is both timely and timeless. It will help heal the wounds and fill the deepest longings of a generation. Pick up a copy of Not Forsaken at your local bookstore or at notforsakenbook.com. Amen in Jesus' name, oh yes, I claim it. Any little bread that I make, I have to break it. Brothers want to break me down, I can't take it. I've done a scholarship for the kids, they said it's racist. You're listening That's to Crown by Stormzy. New one. Well, today's show is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. Creating a site with Squarespace is a simple, intuitive process. You can add and arrange your content and features with the click of a mouse. You can even design a best-in-class online store with Squarespace's award-winning templates, customizable settings, and more, all without a single plugin, including all the tools you need to track inventory, process orders, and send custom emails in one intuitive interface. Squarespace Commerce allows you to understand every aspect of your business. And right now, they're offering Relevant Podcast listeners a special deal. Go to squarespace.com slash relevant for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your site, use the offer code RELEVANT to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Well, for King & Country is preparing for a massive global tour, which runs through this fall. 
Uh, the band also just released their collaboration with Timbaland and Echo Smith, a remix of their song, God Only Knows, a song that they performed here in the Relevant Studios and you heard on this podcast a few months ago. We recently spoke with the Grammy-winning duo about the story behind the song, their dream collaborations, and why their music has connected with so many people in need of finding hope. Here is part of our very own Jesse Carey's conversation with For King and Country. Every day you try to pick up all the pieces All the memories that somehow never leave you Nobody, nobody, nobody sees you Nobody, nobody will believe I saw, you know, you guys recently did like a vlog post and you had mentioned that you have gotten a lot of fan mail about the song, particularly with these stories of people who have been, you know, kind of going through struggles in their own life. Can you tell me about a little bit about what the response has been like and, you know, maybe a couple of the stories that uh, have really impacted you personally that have jumped out? Yeah. I, I had a phone call with, uh, uh, I'm going to name drop here uh, for, for a minute, Jesse, with sure. a, uh, a friend uh, sleeping at last. His name's Ryan. Yeah, yeah. And um, we, he just did a whole list of these Enneagram songs. And I said to him on the call, I said, Ryan, you know what you've just done, right? And he said, what? He said, I said, you've just inherently, to people who love music, you have become the authority on the Enneagram because <laughs> you've written songs about it. And there's this weird thing that happens that if you, as poets and writers, when you put pen to paper, and you come up with these songs and ideas that people look at you. It was a similar thing with Joy, where they go, hey, you know, well, have you discovered the secret here? And we're like, well, we're, we're so journalists with you. But, but God only knows has been that to the nth degree, where you put a magnifying glass on this, this issue of whether it's loss or loneliness, or depression, or even the music video kind of circles around this, this idea of an act of kindness can even save someone from taking their own life. And, um, you put this magnifying glass on it, and what it does is twofold. Number one, you it's like you just bought a Toyota Camry, and all of a sudden you start seeing Toyota Camrys everywhere. You, should, you didn't notice this issue before or this car before. So it does that on one hand, and the other thing it does is people look to you, which is really humbling. They look to you as this um, mouthpiece for what they're feeling. Because this is more than a campaign. This is this is a this is the putting music into people's hearts. It's kind of bypassing the head and going to the heart. And so, and the the stories as a result. The you know I was going to take my life, and I I was flipping through, and I saw this song on YouTube or whatever it might be, have been kind of overwhelming because you hear it all the time. Musicians say, "Yeah, write this kind of song," and people reach out. But dude, it's been in the thousands, it's been in the tens of thousands of people that have suffered great loss or great depression or suicidal thoughts. And, and this has just been a drop in the ocean of being able to help them um, kind of come to grips with the fact that they're not alone, that they're loved. Yeah. T t tell me a little bit about how the song initially came, like, you know, uh, you, even before the collaborations, when you guys were writing the song, what sort of served as the impetus to speak to this kind of thing that uh, that's obviously connecting with a lot of people? Yeah, well, we were um, uh, writing for the, the new project, Burn the Ships. And, uh, you know, sometimes you get into writing so many songs that, most of the songs do come from these super 
personal places of, hey, and today I'm going to come in and come in with this uh, story that took place a week ago or this, you know, whatever it might be. And and but there comes a point where you work on so many new songs that you're 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 scanning through lyric ideas or song ideas. And Joel actually had written just a phrase, God only knows, as just a a, a song title. And when he said that uh, to the to the room, we kind of all leaned in and was like, man, well, God only knows. What does he know? And, and it, was, it was kind of a universal sentiment in the room of God only knows the things that we've been through, things that we've walked through. And then I, in particular, had been reminded of some of the letters that we get from people that are, you know, mentally unwell in that moment. And they just talk about how much music has helped them. And it became uh, for us something that we had, well, what if we were to interject some of those stories into this song because these, these these people's stories are inherently becoming our stories because we're with these people at these shows. You know, most weekends we're seeing this take place, and that was where this concept of well, you know, despite all the things that you've done, despite all the yeah. the shame that might exist, there is there's a kind of love. Uh, that, well, uh, and it's such know. a funny it's such a funny phrase, isn't it? Like you you, you throw it around so flippantly. Ah, you God only knows why this sort of stuff happens, and but when you really dig into it this particularly in such a divided culture that we we kind of sit in right now this concept that this being this entity knows everything about us and yet our deepest darkest secrets and yet still has this kind of superhero love for us while we only have partial information about each other at best and yet we're still quick to judge and yet this entity doesn't judge us is, yeah. is kind of it was yeah, a fascinating absolutely. concept. Well, guys, I want to shift gears for just a sec. I know you're doing you're playing a lot of festivals, uh, you know, throughout the summer, but you're also getting ready for the you know this big burn the ships world tour. And you know, when you guys mm-hmm. came by the relevant office a few months ago, it was it's still the talk of the office about how killer <laughs> of a performance it was, despite being kind of like a small setting. And so I wanted to ask, you know, tell I wanted to see if you guys could tell me a little bit about what you got planned for this tour, because I think anyone who's seen you guys live before know that you're you know, you and your band are incredible live performers. What are you guys planning for the the upcoming world tour? Yeah. Well, man, we, first of all, we had a, we had a thrilling time coming by the offices. We've been, we've been, uh, relevant supporters for, uh, a, a long time. So it was, uh, we were kids in a lolly shop to come by. Um, oh, thanks, man. And, uh, Cameron and the whole team, you've, you've all been very encouraging to us, but, uh, it's an interesting time for the band because again, we've been it's three records in, it's out with seventh year as a officially as a group. And we've always wanted to do this kind of concept to a pretty elaborate uh, night where it's just us in the audience. Uh, but it's always felt like it's slightly eluded us as we've been trying to build the story of the band. And for the first time, really in the history of the band, uh, when we started putting pen to paper on this year in the schedule, this fall felt like the first time we could actually officially uh, – bring to life live the, the, the sort of the visual spectacle, the drama and kind of the musical, like, you know, Hamilton side of what we do in, inside the uh, concept tour. So the, the record's called Burn the Ships. We're shaping the whole stage like the bow of a ship. 
certain people in the audience can even sit inside like the, the sort of the bow of the ship, if you oh, will. Wow. Um, there's going to be moving LED screens that kind of create different pictures and different scenes above the stage and, and elevators and, you know, all of these different layers to the, the, the spectacle of the night to kind of take you on a journey. We, we haven't invited any other artists to be with us. So it's literally going to be the longest set we've played. We're going to play every song off the new album. Um, and, and, and it's just going to be a night of stories as well, kind of laced through the whole thing. And so I, we're just as excited as everyone else to see what it's going to be like. But we've been really for a few months now putting pen to paper on the visual side, the musical side, the storytelling side. And so 36 arenas across America... Um, and and then you can stick a fork in us for the year, but that'll I think that uh, that 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 voyage that sail on September I think it's twenty six and then goes all the way up to Thanksgiving. was for king and country stay tuned up next oh boy ask the cast Listening to Deja Vu by Soak. You're listening to Deja Vu oh, by Soak. God, oh, yeah. I knew it. I did it. Oh, makes me I so did. mad to have missed that joke. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Okay, it is. It's time for Ask the Cast. We've been doing this recently. It's a lot of fun. You guys hit us up on Twitter at Roland Podcast and ask us things. Uh, since Science Mike is joining us today, we figured it'd be fun to include him in the nonsense. So here are some of the questions you sent us. And, and Mike, these are nothing that would show up on Ask Science Mike. I vetted every one of these questions. This yeah, will no, in no, no way affect okay. the oh. content of your podcast. And you would have filtered them out for quality long before they ever got to your podcast. <laughs> so this is, uh, this is not an Ask the Cast. This question is specifically for Science Mike. So this is okay. literally Ask Science Mike. Uh, Science Mike. How many helium balloons would it take for me to make my neighbor's annoying chihuahua disappear? Ooh. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it would depend on the weight of the chihuahua and the size of the balloon. Yeah. Uh, and how uh, much helium you put in the balloon. So how, right. how like right. tightly you fill the balloon. Yeah. Because uh, you can actually fill a hel- You can overfill a helium balloon and slightly decrease the amount of lift it produces without popping the balloon. Um, but it's not going to huh? be a lot. Chihuahuas are really <laughs> light. Um, I'm I'm not positive. Uh, but I I feel like you could plausibly with as few as fifty. Yeah, really? I was, yeah, I was I was thinking fifty. That's that's yeah. very doable. Well, I, I and if 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 what's the person saying that asked that question, Caleb? Okay, yep, Caleb, yeah. if you do it, please send pictures and tag Mike uh, and let your neighbors know that he was solely responsible for <laughs> All right, Mike, this one is going to use all of your powers of 
uh, intellect, of knowledge, of biology, and, and the, the animal kingdom. And this is, there can only be one right answer. If all animals, this from Josh, if all animals were the same size, what would win in a fight? <laughs> That's a great question. I mean, there's only, I feel like this is just a matter of science fact here. Because immediately you think great white wow. shark, right? What but size? they can't. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't think the size matters. I mean, whether the size matters tremendously, it really like that's our whole evolutionary benefit, right? By the way, I was I was way off on the Chihuahua balloon lift. Oh yeah, Uh, a helium balloon has about five uh, grams of lift per balloon in in, an ideal situation. Oh, I estimate a Chihuahua is ten pounds. That's going to be. Right around forty five hundred grams, which we would need about nine hundred balloons. <laughs> what? To wow. get which is why you, yeah. Chihuahua off the ground. Sorry, I really wanted to. I wanted to do the math, not yeah. just the estimate. Yeah, it was here's why doing the, the math size while you were of the talking. animals matters a lot. Something like, yeah. um, a praying mantis is a really fierce animal. Yeah, and if you scale oh. down a lion to a praying mantis's size, yeah, the praying mantis is going to dominate, especially Ooh. because, uh skeletons the, the whole thing is is scale here yeah so if you scaled up a praying mantis to the size of a lion it can't move but if you scale down a lion to the size mm. of a praying mantis <laughs> its skeletal structure is so weak mm. that just walking will probably break its bones so <laughs> the, the, the size matters a lot because animals that are naturally in that size range are going to have an incredible yeah. Advantage okay. because their musculoskeletal so like spiders are going to win. So, so if we're going to spider level, they're winning, right? No, yeah. So I'm okay. I'm going to pick it. The size is the size of a lion. That okay. is the size. So, so you're up. bringing up the praying mantis to that size. You're bringing down an elephant to that size. There's your medium. So okay. lion, what's the animal that that dominates tarantula. all the Tarantula, right? A tarantula. Tarantulas wouldn't be able to move. They'd be complete. Mm-hmm. Anything with an exoskeleton is out. A giant crab. Uh, anything that's not now. Are we on land or in the water? <laughs> on land. On land. Yeah. On land. Right, crab, on land. But a crab could still. I mean, no, nope, crabs would not be able to move. Their exoskeleton would be too heavy. Yeah. Uh, what about a big? I'm a probably giant going with snake. a tiger. Tigers are if it's if it's single combat, pound for pound, they're one of the fiercest fighters on the planet so i'll probably go with a tiger what about a uh, bird like a real angry bird because wouldn't they be light <laughs> enough to still be able to handle the weight no well that's they, they, they would be so their bones are so light at that size their bones would be extraordinarily brittle <laughs> so larger birds like ostrich have denser bones than birds of flight um so if you scale up you know an eagle or something to the size of a lion yeah. it's going to experience severe injury just existing <laughs> Now that That's is really not fair. See, I want to see like a silverback gorilla fight a bunch of bill snakes and just see like I want to see him pick up one snake and just whack another snake. But I just feel like this animal battle thing. I feel like whoever wrote this question's on to something. Like if there was some kind of, you know, show where you would have hypothetical CGI animal battles, I mean, I would Well, I'd, see like so we do we already know what a lion-sized snake is like. It's called an anaconda. Yeah. And they are dangerous, oh. but we know that jaguars frequently kill and eat anacondas. Um, really yeah because yeah. it's all, all a matter of who gets the ambush first so i don't think an anaconda represents a meaningful threat to something like a tiger mm-hmm. um so that's why i I've, i feel relatively confident without doing a really deep analysis 
that uh, Tiger be, is at least if, a competitive area. You're going to be laying in bed tonight thinking of this answer. You're okay. Be- <laughs> okay. What if? What if? Wow. What if you dropped a tiger into a pit of anacondas and threw a bunch of regular sized crabs in there just to make everyone mad? Who's walking away? <laughs> a bunch of animals enter, one animal's leaving that pit. All right. Uh, Eric asked, this is interesting. Eric asked, what's your favorite fact to throw out in conversation? He says his is that great northern beans are just matured in dried green beans. Hmm. What's the, your favorite random fact to throw out in conversation? Cool fact. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Eric sounds like a real thrill at parties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that kills hey in Tallahassee. Uh, hey, guys, I don't know if you guys heard about the great northern bean thing, but uh, yeah. there's just old regular dried up green beans, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Favorite make fact funny, to pal. throw That's out in a conversation. <laughs> I mean, Mike, I feel like we kind of established yours, which is you're a member of the Magic Castle. You know, I mean, yeah. it doesn't get any better. Like, there's nothing you can say. The only thing you can say is, yeah, I was I've I've been to the moon. I'm an astronaut. Like that you're in such elite company. You know, like you've won the Tour de France, you have orbited the earth, and you're part of the magic castle. That's the, the holy trinity of, of one upsmanship. Yeah. You know? I don't disagree. Eddie, what would be your fact? I, oh, I always find myself nerding out about people that did uh like voices, like voiceover stuff. So like um like what's the the voice of Tony the Tiger is the same guy that was the voice of the Transformer whatever Optimus, Optimus Prime. Prime yeah same voice of like all of those different people I find that I'm the only one interested in it but I always like go down the IMD rabbit IMDb rabbit hole of voiceover people interesting yeah I I, yeah, I like to just randomly tell people how much I get bench press it's very impressive and uh, you know people love when you just talk about weightlifting to them you know I mean <laughs> I it's, it. you know it's <laughs> very cool thing to do very cool thing kids yeah uh, Levi this is crazy Levi asked the exact same question that my nine-year-old son asked me in the car this morning uh levi says do, uh well i'll just ask it the way my son did dad do you think that science and technology will ever advance to the point where time travel will be possible that's mm. what he asked me randomly as we were getting off five four this morning and levi and says like, do i you did believe- something really bad this morning and i love the chance to undo it <laughs> yeah. uh, and i will say there's only one person in this show right now actually qualified to answer it and so yeah. here i go levi says levi says do you believe time travel exists and how do you think it works Hmm. Time travel does exist. We are Ooh. traveling through time right now. Okay. Okay. Uh, Mine's, already blown. Can, Mine's already blown. <laughs> we <laughs> can change the perception of the passage of time Ooh. for any given reference frame in the universe using two different things. One is the curvata- curvature of space time in a gravity well. So you can uh, travel to the future effectively by getting close enough to a black hole and then escaping that orbit without crossing the event horizon. To, to or, be fair, everyone knows that one, but continue. Everyone knows that. <laughs> or you can travel a significant fraction of light speed and effectively travel to the future um, because your local reference frame, your perception of time will be so radically slowed. Now, what really interest people is there a plausible way to travel back in time and there in fact is one plausible mechanism to go back in time in physics conjuring and that is to open <laughs> a wormhole a stable gateway between two points that are located <sighs> near each other in physical space but to have one end of the wormhole be on a spacecraft at that point you would have that spacecraft take off and travel at relativistic velocities away from the point of origin. 
and then turn around and come back. So some significant fraction of light speed for a significant amount of time on a voyage that moves away and then returns to the original point of origin, at which point the two ends of that wormhole would no longer be aligned temporally. So depending on how fast you went, you could potentially walk through the portal on one side and go back to the time very near when the port when it was open. Why that is interesting is on a ship traveling that fast, let's say, you know, four or five years passed on the original planet. It could have been thousands, even tens of thousands of years. So you would have a doorway, two doors next to each other going in one would travel, take you back thousands of years. So, Mike, hypothetically, let's say I need to return some Infinity Stones to very (laughs) particular (laughs) times. Very urgently. Uh, I don't want to be overdramatic, but the fate of all of half of the universe, you're saying this would... I mean, that's basically similar to what what they did in the movie, right? One small problem. Okay. This kind of time machine will not let you travel back to before it was created. Oh. Right. Okay. We don't have a plausible means to take you back in time to before a time machine was built. Mm-hmm. So then my son says, when would you want to go back in time if you could, dad? You know, yeah. like if if you could just arbitrarily go anytime. And I was like, I don't know that I would want to because it's like, it's all like we'd have to, they didn't have bathrooms and there's no electricity. And I just, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm more, I said, I would rather go to the future. You know, like if I yeah. could just kind of like peek in on another time, I'd rather see you in the future. And, and he goes, not me. He goes, I, I would, I don't want to go to the future. I want to be present and create my own future. That's Mm. what he said. And I'm like, I thought I was listening to Tyler Perry acceptance speech. I was so inspired. (laughs) I was like, I left there inspired, ready to change the world. Preach it, kid. Make your own future, buddy. Ultimate icon. You got, you can give him the (laughs) ultimate icon award. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ian says, I have a history of sleepwalking. It usually occurs when I'm sleep deprived or worried and stressed. Why is this? Hmm. I mean, I, I think I think I think the, I think the answer is obvious, Mike. I'll let you confirm yeah, it. But yeah, uh, yeah, you're, yeah. you're possessed by a demon uh, and you need to <laughs> yeah. once you hit conjuring five. I mean, this happens all the time. It's very normal at that level. Uh, you know, so I think that's what you were going to say, too. Right, Mike? It's demons. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's definitely demons, and by demons we mean this is basically the neurologically neurological inverse of a condition called sleep paralysis. You effectively have uh, patches of brain tissue that are designed to keep your body from responding to the movements you create in dreams. So in sleep paralysis, that patch of tissue remains active after people wake up, and people will experience that often as being stuck in kind of a twilight state. Uh, they'll be aware that they're in the room, but they might see dark figures. The dark figure might approach them, might sit on their chest. They feel a heaviness because their body is actually paralyzed because their brain is having a hard time determining whether they're asleep or awake. The opposite is true in sleepwalking, where that pitch of tissue allows your sleeping brain to operate your body. Um and uh it's it's quite common in children. It's considerably more rare in Adults, I think it's, uh, I don't know, four or five percent of the population off the top of my head. Um, and when people talk about treating sleepwalking, you're on to some, some really important things there about when you're stressed or when you're sleep deprived. 
Uh, both sleep paralysis and sleepwalking are minimized when people practice good sleep hygiene, meaning they go to bed about the same time every night, they wake up about the same time every morning, and they have a good pre-bed ritual that involves limited amount of screen time, no caffeine, no late dining, uh, and minimize the amount of light in the room where they sleep. I'll say, listen, I have... I'm take I've done all of those things helped a lot. I did some horrible things in my sleep. I strapped 4500 balloons to my neighbor's chihuahua and watched him float away. It was like a dream. <laughs> turns out <laughs> turns out I was just, you know, just snoozing, you know, just took a little nap and next thing I know I wake up and the chihuahua's, you know, 45,000 feet. Yeah, I mean, he's I mean, he's just a speck in the, you know, in the sky at that point. But hey, science. Especially you know? since I said it was 900 balloons, so at 4,500 <laughs> balloons, that chihuahua would have some lift. <laughs> <It was> basically, <laughs> he's basically a weather balloon at that point. He's up there orbiting the earth with a Tesla, you know. So, yeah. uh, uh, Elf asks, I, I mean, this is what it says is Elf. Uh, what movie did you watch as a kid that scarred you for life? He says, uh, for me, it has to be Mac and me. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh. Have you guys ever Mac seen the Paul is, Rudd thing that he does on Conan? Yes. No. Yeah. Oh, have you seen this, Mike? Every no. time Paul Rudd in his whole career goes on Conan to pitch a movie, he will, you know, Conan will say like, "All right, let's see a clip of Ant-Man." And it's just the same clip of Mac and me over and over. And they never show a clip of the movie. And Conan just, I mean, it's really a great bit. But it reminds me how weird Mac and me is. It wasn't a movie that disturbed me, but it was the TV series Beauty and the Beast. It was like, I think it was a pretty short run series. But the Beast was like this. He kind of looked like a, like a lion, you know, like, like a part man, part lion. And for some reason, like I was convinced that at night he just roams the hallways of my suburban house. Like I can't go to the bathroom tonight i know beast is out there you know like that's what really disturbed me as a child i was like a year or two too young to see Neverending story when i did and i loved the movie but also it scared me so deeply that i would have these nightmares that i'm writing what is it what's the dog the flying dog a tray you or something like that uh tray is his name falcor is the dog falcor Falcor. that i'm writing falcor and i'm both completely exhilarated because i'm writing a flying dog and i'm also terrified because you know i'm writing a flying dog (laughs) so (laughs) and then i realized i was just dreaming i wasn't flying i wasn't writing a flying dog i was making a dog fly with balloons and (laughs) i mean i've you know, I've floated away seven or eight neighbors' dogs in my lifetime because oh my of gosh. that film. I think so. It's <laughs> you know, I I was never afraid of movies as a kid. Um, so I, pretty young, I'd watch the really extreme horror movies, and my friends would watch them with me, and we were so proud. We never were never afraid. And then one night, we were sitting outside. And it was probably ten o'clock at night, and in the woods behind our houses, we heard someone starting a chainsaw. And it's like, that's a strange hour to do some, yeah, some timber cutting. And the chainsaw starts up, and a man walks out of the woods wearing a mask no. and all came on a chainsaw and starts to run after us. No, absolutely true. So we all take off, and one of my friends was like up in our tree fort, and he said, Guys, please wait. And we look back, and the guy with the chainsaws raising the chainsaw toward him, and we all just jumped the fence and left him. And we ran down the street to like the, the next door neighbor's house and the house was empty. All the lights were on. There was no one there. So I ran to my house. All the lights were on. The doors were open. No one was there. So we thought this guy had, like killed everyone in the neighborhood. And then we ran in my backyard and all our parents are back there. And we're like screaming and 
afraid that our friend is dead and they all start laughing oh no so the guy coming out of the uh woods was my dad <laughs> was trying to teach us all that uh horror movies really were scary <laughs> Wow. And, uh, mission accomplished. What a weird yeah, thing to do. Yeah, Tallahassee is the best. <laughs> that's just a rite of passage in Tallahassee. You know? Yeah, that that's is called, just classic. That's called Thursday in Tallahassee. You know? We were 100% convinced it was a real chainsaw murderer. Who, yeah. who wouldn't be 100% convinced <laughs> it's a, a real chainsaw murderer yeah. up until you don't know it? I yeah. mean, it, that's exactly what the real ones look like, is a person yeah. running after you with a chainsaw. It's like, I, it's here. You know, I've always been afraid of like clowns since I was a kid, and I've always wondered I, if it's when I saw the It made for TV movie, or if it's that time I found that dead clown in the woods. I don't know why, but something has really unsettled me about clowns since then. I, it's, I, don't, I can't pinpoint it, but uh, yeah, it's tough. Oh my goodness. Uh, okay, so this this will be the last one. Uh, Philip uh, tweeted us and asked, "What would you? What would be your craziest plan for mitigating climate change that just might work?" Now, Chandler, I will say this. Chandler does not think there is climate change. Um, so don't even get him started on it. He thinks it's just the way it goes. And sometimes yeah. it's a little bit chilly. All right. Well, I, I, I don't want to contribute to the lamestream media narrative. Um, so I say bingo. everything's just fine. That's what uh, my solution oh. is. Just keep on burning those fossil fuels. So what's the worst that can happen? That's that's my solution there from Mike. Tell us the perspective from Holly Weird. Oh, I have a crazy plan that just might work okay. uh, where people reduce their consumption of consumer goods and especially meat. Mm -hmm. uh, we lower, lower overall carbon emissions and make very intentional efforts toward reforestry and rehabilitating prairie lands. Um, that's my crazy plan. Now, that might be too crazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> responsible action on a global scale. So uh, my dark horse would be um, to at a massive and industrial scale, um, spray a reflective aerosol into the upper atmosphere, simulating a light nuclear winter. Those are great mm. ideas. I was hoping you were going to say something involving a big laser, but uh, I, I mean, <laughs> I like those too. Those seem plausible. Yeah. Huh? Okay. There we go. We okay, one, one, we'll do an encore one. Alec, I just saw this one. Alec asked, if you have a normal Pop-Tart that hasn't been put in the toaster, would you consider that a raw Pop-Tart or just a normal Pop-Tart? Sure, Pop-Tart, homie. I don't, I, you don't even need to put Pop-Tarts in the toaster. They're perfect as they are. Dude, they're called a Pop-Tart because they're supposed to pop out of the toaster. No, because you're supposed to it's pop them in your mouth. Just straight out no, of that. I believe the tart was popped when it was made at, at the plant. I believe it is a you, it is a finished you, you, entity. You open it from that little uh, like hurricane emergency blanket that is wrapped in that little foil one. Take it, yeah. pop it out, pop it in your mouth, get the burst of tart. Dude, and that's, I think the that's whole all point need. is that it's uncooked at that point, and that they are intending that you would cook it. It's like you're eating a, a, a food you would make for dinner, but not cooking it. You know what I mean? Like you're, it's not the completed version. Yeah. I'll tell in you, the I like to be the tart. Yeah was yeah. null and void mm -hmm. and the pop hovered over the waters <laughs> <laughs> i think that's the end <laughs> we nailed it nailed it yeah i don't know if it'll ever get better than that yeah. all right that'll do it for ask the cast hey many thanks to for king and country for joining us today uh they are on tour right now you can check out their new remix with timbaland and echo smith of god only knows 
Uh, thanks also to Squarespace for making the episode possible. Remember, you can go to squarespace.com slash relevant for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your site, use the offer code relevant to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey, uh, Mike, thanks for joining us today, man. It was a lot of fun. Oh, it Mike. was. And I, you can tell it's been a while that, since I've been here because I prepared a slice and I've just oh, had that for dude. a long time. Okay. Oh, Mike. Mike. <laughs> hey, can we get Mike to give us a 90-second version of the slice? We got to hear it. You can't tease well, us like that. Let's hear it. Because, Mike, we had to, what we had to do is it's not your fault. It was just miscommunicated because we're doing two shows a week now. We have slices on one of them I on the Tuesday uh, show. Uh, I and we have the hot list on the Friday show. Give us. So, but still, Cameron, give him a quick pitch yeah, to it. Yeah. Uh, okay, it's time for Slices. All right, what do you have, Mike? Really big news. I'm sure you saw that uh, SpaceX launched their Falcon Heavy again, this time on an Air Force mission. Yes. And among the multiple spacecraft included in that payload was one of the first ever completely private spacecraft launched by a society, specifically the Planetary Society. Really? Which is the, Bill Nye's the CEO, and I'm a yeah. card-carrying member of the Planetary wow. Society. Dude, you're part of so many <laughs> cool societies. It's true. Oh, and, uh, dude. My, my friends at the Planetary Society launched a bread box sized satellite called LightSail 2. Yes. That has a razor thin mylar sail that is literally going to use photons to increase its speed and change its orbit, which should prove the plausibility of solar propulsion as a viable means for propelling spacecraft in our solar system. Whoa. And what's remarkable about it is it's a it's a technology that Carl Sagan himself advocated and Carl founded the Planetary Society and by sticking to its mandate and doing private fundraising that small small organization based out of California may in fact help us innovate not only space travel but create a plausible form for interstellar space travel. Wow. Gosh, that's, that was worth that's it. That's better than the slice I was preparing for next week, which is about how popular <laughs> hot dogs are among Gen Z right now. So a lot to think about. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, on that note, we'll wrap things up. That was oh, great. Man. That was great, Mike. Let's just pop that off and uh, make that an entire bonus episode yeah <laughs> mike you're everything i hope to be when i get older yeah. i mean yeah. and I, by older i think you're like two years older than me but i hope a lot happens soon <laughs> yeah i mean a lot of things like start going right for me but uh yes yeah. yeah. you yeah, got I a got, lot of ground to make up man yeah. gotta get out of florida <laughs> all right on that note we'll wrap things up i'm cameron string i'm chandler string i'm jesse carey i'm eddie koffeltz i'm science mike and we will see you on tuesday have a great weekend everyone Think about you standing in your own words, singing all the wrong words to Thank you for listening to the Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from the Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. Show me how it's done, Demon Man! Show me! Relevant Podcast Network. 
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.